KCI Kindled, creating space for meaningful dialogue, a podcast brought to you by Gunawage Collective Impact. The goal of this podcast is to open up a safe space for community members to have conversations about current social issues, both inter-community and global issues, culture and heritage, and language. This space encourages respectful expression of different opinions and perspectives. The opinions and perspectives expressed belong to the guests of the show and do not represent the views of Gunawage Collective Impact or KSES Gunawage. This episode's discussion contains sensitive subject matter. Please listen with discretion. Have you ever been gaming or working online classes and your internet service constantly gets interrupted? First Nations Fiber is about to ensure that just won't happen again. Get ready for high speed at a new level. Click on fnfiber.com and sign up today. First Nations Fiber, empowering people through connectivity. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to KCI Kindled, creating space for a meaningful conversation. I'm your host, Karina Peterson, and I'm from Gunawage Collective Impact. And we are on the second episode of the Men's Health series, which is a collaboration between Gunawage Collective Impact and KSES Gunawage. So in the studio, We're just going to do a little quick rundown of the guests that we have in studio. We have some returning guests from the last episode, and we also have a new guest. So welcome, Tom. Maybe you could introduce yourself and say a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Karina. My name is Tom Deerhouse. I'm a traditional support worker working out of the Family Wellness Center, which is also part of KSCS, Ganawage Community Services. Glad to be here. Well, thanks for for coming on the show today. We have John Daibo. Hi, my name is uh, John Daibo. I am head coach and di- director at Gunnawage CrossFit and uh, happy to be here again. <laughs> it's been like, what, five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> In a week. <laughs> Shh, that's supposed to be a secret. <laughs> We're no, recording two episodes back to, to back. we about secrets on this one, uh, Karina. <laughs> it's too vulnerable. <laughs> and we are also joined by Brent Beresford. Hi. I'm a psychologist at KSCS. Okay. Happy to be here again. (laughs) (laughs) So the last episode that we were here with KCI Kindled was uh, the men's health episode on vulnerability. So this uh, episode, episode two, is going to be about like careers and education, maybe some finances, financing, and uh, just our traditional roles here in Gunawage and culturally as a indigenous people. So I'm not sure where we want to get started with this, but maybe, maybe, maybe I could pose this question. Okay. So what, what did you, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do for work? Did you go to school? Why did you choose the area that, that you're involved in? Let's start that question. Who wants to go first? Mm, I'll go first. You look like you're ready. It's like the Spider-Man uh, I, I, meme I, with I'm, all the... I'm pointing at John. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, my, my, my job right now is uh, basically coordinator uh, and head coach or head programmer at Gunawage CrossFit. And uh, it's a private business that me and Derek Stacy had opened up in around 2016. It says 2015 on the sign, but really it was 2016. Um, and uh, basically our goal in mind was to, like I spoke on the last podcast, allow people to see that there is another option uh, when it comes to working on their physical, working on their mental health, uh, whatever avenue you want to take with that, but just giving them a place to, to feel good about themselves. So I, I 
came out of high school. I didn't really go to college or university or anything, but uh, I guess you can say I was obsessed with what I was doing. So I was kind of in quotation studying on the side, you know, and uh, more natural, organic studying, I guess you can say, you know. Um, so I kind of just practiced and went from there. And uh, eventually I started helping one person with their, uh, their physical health. Um, obviously it's appearance at that age. A lot of people want to are more focused on what they look like rather than how healthy their heart is. And then I just kind of built it from there. And now we have somewhere around 170 members in Gunawage that go there at all different ages and it's growing. People are starting to see that it's okay to take care of yourself. You know what I mean? Um, so that's, that's what I do pretty much is just help people with their physical health and their I don't like to say I do mental health, but I think, I think sometimes that I do, you know, so. Uh, oh, for sure you for do. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do. Okay. Who's next? <laughs> Maybe I'll go. <laughs> it just occurred to me now I know why. Why I'm here, I'm to provide the comic relief. So I'll, <laughs> I'll start off by saying, boys and girls, don't follow my career path. It's a lot of twists and turns, but, uh, but it's definitely an evolution uh, for me. Uh, to be where I am, uh, doing counseling, helping my own people, to give a, a wide, uh, some background on myself. I was born in the States, Detroit, Michigan, went through the Catholic uh, school system there. And I mentioned this, I went through uh, a college prep school called University of Detroit High School, run by uh, the Jesuit priests and lay, lay teachers. So that was a, like a, a good formation at the start. And so naturally, going from a high school, you go to the college, University of Detroit. And I was kind of uh, pressured by, by my dad to go into the, either a, you know, a profession where you can get a job. So I, I chose mechanical engineering, uh, Detroit being the motor city capital. Then later on, well, on the side of murders, murder, murder capital. But uh, the automotive <laughs> industry was there being uh, Ford, Ford headquarters, GM and Chrysler. But uh, as it turns out, I was lacking in, oh boy, I, hate, I hated the, the calculus. I like the science part, but the physics part and the, uh, some of the calculus, all those, didn't, uh, I didn't do well in mechanical drawing. So I basically flunked out of, uh, after two and a half years and had the opportunity to come to Gunawage because my, my father had family here. Uh, this was in 1984. 21 at the time, you guys can do the math. And didn't think I would stay, but it turned out I did take care of my, my aunt and uncle, great aunt and uncle, and then got involved in the community fairly intensely and, and seriously. Joined the fire brigade in 86, getting involved in community, and uh, 1990 was significant. I was uh, just a, a laborer, construction, but only later did I have the, the inclination to go back to school. And that was in social work, off-campus program through Carleton University, where that professors actually came here to the reserve. So that worked for me. I was still working and uh, taking classes at the same time. So doing that, let me just re- cover really fast. 1986, joined the fire brigade. And by the fall of 86, became an emergency medical technician and a volunteer firefighter. And fairly active. And there was a lot of work. Uh, I did that for 20 years, uh, up until 2006, hmm. 96, 97, oh, excuse me, 93, 
joined the MAD group, got hired as a MAD group with a, um, being a teen group facilitator. Mm. That lasted one year. Why? Because a lot of uh, stresses and personal stuff sure. I needed to work through. After 1990, burnout and stress mm, yeah. and all that. So I had to uh, resign. It was after that, another opportunity. That was uh, the idea to go back to school and get uh, training. And social work seemed to appeal to me, just trying to help and be, continue being a helper. 1997, roughly, got a certificate status. But I was, you know, I, it was a challenge because I still had to work. And I couldn't fit uh, the, stag, the stage requirements to work in the community. So that was uh, unfortunate. But I got a job at the Eastern Door as a journalist, reporter, and photographer in this very office. If, this <laughs> I was going to say, building. this must be familiar territory yeah, for you. this used to be my office right here. I used to work out of here nice. anyway, second floor. Uh, for, and learned a lot. Uh, this was under uh, Kenneth Deer as uh, editor and, and publisher. And from uh, and having my name in the paper, uh, like uh, the byline, in early 1998, I decided to run for a band council. Although I had a crazy idea. So once again, kids, don't do it. Don't try. You can try it this way, but uh, you're not always successful. But it, it's very interesting. And I think it makes for a great story uh, that I did get elected, uh, I think, the 11th position out of, out of the 11th. And um, one thing I felt bad, uh, I'm related to uh, late Billy Two Rivers. He was the one that was bumped off. And I, I, I became uh, on council for one year. One year term, I um, missed two years term at the time, uh, and there were three other new ones, so it was quite a turnover uh, of a band council from 1980, 1998 to 2000. Um, I did run again, but you know how politics are sometimes, things don't work out the way close, close but no cigar for, the, for getting reelected. <clears throat> but I, uh, after that, I decided to try to actively use the a social work certificate, the social work background to get a job. And I did case aid at first and then youth protection worker. Did that for a couple of years, then made a lateral move to support services, did that for a while, operating out of the main building above the post. And then 2017, uh, and just to kind of give a background, I didn't really think of it as a career, maybe 10 years in, but yeah, I'll get serious about it. Uh, try to find your, your niche, try to find what you're good at, your role. So I was doing, besides the counseling and assessments, um, kind of like the mental health field, working with that clientele, train, more training, and just getting involved. So a lot of interventions, uh, understanding the laws and, uh, and things. And sometimes, somehow those skills in uh, the fire brigade, ambulance, like the interventions and the dealing with people, some of those skills are transferable definitely to counseling and just, uh, you know, applying, um, what do they call it? Uh, it's pre-hospital intervention, but it's not confrontation. It's just, you know, working with people. So it very much uh, helped along. So I did that for, uh, while working at the same time. And I guess significantly, 2017, I was selectively approach or offered the part to be a traditional support worker, which I was kind of doing at the main building, but now it became official. I was working with teenagers who wanted more culture, knowledge, and uh, funny, funny part of this is that they wanted to know about medicines, but they were looking at mind-altering like, things mm. to 
in the natural world. And, and I was kind of saying, no, that's not the purpose of that all prevention and for your good, good health and mental wellness, health and spiritual health. Uh, but all of these kind of things was uh, custom, custom made for the teenagers I was meeting in placement, the uh, placement like Shawbridge and other places. But 2017 okay. till the present, I'm a, a traditional support counselor. Dagodisnyanis is uh, the help, the name for being a helper. And, uh, and the sideline of that too is working with uh, re residential school survivors and also day school survivors and their families and the, the generations that come afterwards. So that's been a very interesting and uh, challenging area, but I find it's a much needed thing. And uh, again, another interesting story that I married into a family uh, in 1991, my first wife, my first set of in-laws both attended residential school and they actually met up in uh, Espanola, Ontario, the place, the residential school nicknamed Spanish. Mm -hmm. uh, they're fortunate they're still alive, but the numbers of uh, survivors are, are dwindling. There's just a handful now, seven or eight, I believe, in town. And so that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about a nutshell. Yeah. Bunch of nuts. Bunch of nuts. <laughs> coconut, coconut shell. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> no, that's, 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 uh, cool, that's amazing. That's like a jack of all trades type of stuff. But the common thread that I'm seeing here is that you were trying to help. Like the helper part is in almost everything that you mentioned. So that's, that seems like that's always been there. Yeah, but I'll point out that I kind of left out some of the, the crazy stuff that young men do uh, as they're <laughs> trying to find their path. Mm -hmm. I mean, oh, uh, one, part, one part, it's nice uh, kind of retracing my roots, uh, getting deeply into uh, Mohawk culture, thinking this is a paradise, this is fine, but then finding that, oh, wow, these uh, Indians like to drink and Indians like to party, like the mm -hmm. late 80s, if you can mm -hmm. imagine how what it was like and the... the you know, the drinking and driving and the, the fatalities and so on, which I saw firsthand and, uh, and spending my money and time uh, foolishly as uh, young men do until you smarten up. And 1990 was kind of a, oh, it got serious for a second. It's got serious. Mm -hmm. This is the real thing. And, uh, you know, I was tear gassed in, uh, at the island when the helicopter landed on the island, saw the, the skirmishes, but that didn't sway me from wanting to you know, working on diplomacy and that kind of thing. I wasn't, wouldn't consider myself a fighter, although I did have a golf club in my hand along with my, another buddy of mine. <laughs> Just trying, we wanted to take practice swings. Yeah, that, that was it. <laughs> yeah, so I'll leave it there. Yeah. I completely appreciate all the experiences that you had. And for sure, I think that it'll add to the conversation that we're going to have. And now Brent... <laughs> What's your story? I want to know that. Oh, yeah. I'll try and keep it brief. Um, way too much school, I think. Yeah, a long, long academic career. And uh, there's, there is this sense that it was the wrong education, you know, like there, as much as, you know, going through the academic hoops was something that, that allowed me to do what I do now. Um, there has been this sense of having to unlearn so much of what I've, what, what I've had to like make this system sort of get used to. And 
and and learn in order to uh, in order to be more open and actually and actually use this sort of this system, this self, this nervous system, and this heart to to accompany people. So I did a lot of university, you know, I got a PhD in psychology and uh, it feels like the, the trainings that are now being offered, like trauma, trauma based things touch really closer to the heart of what it is to, to be in like a healing profession than, than do this, these academic uh, pathways. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for sharing. So we have three individuals here that have very different backgrounds and very different choices of education and career paths and someone who's tried almost every career path out there. <laughs> uh, we're all also all different age groups sitting in here, but there's something that uh, Tom said that I wrote down was you mentioned that when you were very young and just coming out of high school, that there was pressure on you to do something to just get a job. So like that, I wrote that in quotes, like get a job. And I'm just wondering if that's something that is there a pressure for for you guys as men to do something to just get a job. And like, that's it, because you need to make money, because you need to do whatever it is you got to do. We we didn't want to talk about that, Karina. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. But yeah, that's a good question. Well, we talked about that at the gym. I said uh, the way that I was I was told is that we have a survival and a, and a surviving and thriving mentality at all times or at least in different degrees at, at e- with each one and uh if your parents if your parents are telling you that you have to get a job and it's and it's a and it's urgent we might be we might be able to agree that it's a survival mentality at that point we need money right um and then we talked about how we have a lot of men who jump on already paved jobs like iron working and things that we already know. So we go into that survival mentality again, it's been done, go, you know, it's, but then when you, when you think about the mentality of the, of the men, how many men actually want to do this, you know? And then again, it's like, well, we don't talk about that. Right. Well, maybe we should, you know, I think that's what I'm getting at here. Yeah, Yeah, sure. Right. And how many men want to be an iron worker? You know, how many want, how many want, want to be so-and-so in my um, experience, it was, how many, I don't want to be a lacrosse player. I don't want to be an iron worker. You know, I don't know how many, I don't know if that's going to offend anybody. <laughs> but uh, in, in our conversation we had earlier, I think that it's okay to talk about those things. And it should be, you should, well, number one, we should be able to thrive and discuss, well, in a good community, what are you, what do you want to do, Karina? What do you like to do? And you say, whatever. Okay, well, let's, let's get you good at that. I think, you know, and, and then, so sorry, but mm-hmm. get a job means I don't have enough time to think about what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. You That's know, if my say. father, I remember my father one time, he, he said, uh, <laughs> I think it was at home, like just being a kid playing. And he looked at me, he said, uh, how come you don't, how come you don't go out? How come you don't do anything? You know, what are you? I don't want to say, but he called me names, you know, and, uh, I'll never forget that because at the time it hurt a lot, you know, but now I think about how wrong that was, right? It's not good to just all of a sudden, like we said earlier, you come out of nowhere, you start yelling at your kids. It means there's a problem, you know, but it's, it's supposed to be this way. And that's how we survive, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think that we're at the point now where we should start thinking about thriving. How, like how much money do we have in Gunawagi now? 
how many people can say that they have more than enough? You know, how many people can already, how many, they have too much, but it's still, I need more. Sometimes I need more. We, we have to, like we were saying earlier with the men, I have to keep working. I have to keep working. Maybe you should start thinking about relaxing a little bit now, you know, but there's coming from that place of coming out of the residential school and the, in the day school, it's almost like we have to, you see, you even see it now with some of the younger generation. I have to do something about that. I have to get to work right away. I have to do something or for a male as, as a male, it's my father was an iron worker. So I have to be an iron worker, even though I might hate every single day of my life. It's like, why? Because it's tradition, you know? right? Yeah. It's traditions. But, 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 you know, it's like I said, with the, with the fry bread earlier, I don't like fry bread. And I know that's going to like, I might get ban banished from the community for that, but <laughs> not a lot of powwow anymore. <laughs> you know, it makes me feel bad. I don't like it. You know, I'd rather eat like, honestly, fish or deer or moose, you know, like that's amazing food. So why is it wrong when I tell somebody that I don't want that? You know, I don't want something that's going to be, make me feel bad, you know? So let's, let's explore that though. So why would it be hard for for you guys as men to be like, okay, you're, you're pressured to get a job like right after high school or whatever it is. So why is it hard to be like, no, <laughs> I want to take an alternate route. I want to maybe explore school or I want to try different things. I want to do something that makes me happy. So what, what, where do the hardships come from that? Or why is that so hard to voice or to express? It sounds like this isn't very different from the last podcast, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you, if you're going to say, no, I want to know what makes me happy. It, that means that somewhere inside you actually know what it means to feel that happiness, right? That means you have to have had space in order to explore those kinds of things. And if there's been no space for that, and there's this survival, uh, there's this survival mode or this pressure to like, just do something, you know, do something with your life. Then I liked what you said, John. It's like, we don't have time. We don't have time for that. You need to go and be productive. And, you know, whether it's one of those paths that is like, you know, already traced out, or it's like these, you know, these, these things that like being a doctor or being a lawyer or something like that, you know, those are just, it's just get, get to work, you know, make some money and uh, do something that's, that, that, that we'll be proud of, you know, when you, when, when we look at you at the end of it, it's not about the process. It's not about learning. It's not about expressing yourself. It's really about the end goal. Or even satisfaction mm -hmm. along the way. Right. Yeah. So I guess it does come down to a certain type of vulnerability to be able to express like, this is not for me. But I'm like, how, how do our traditional roles tie into this too? Because that is very much tied to indigenous men, right? Like to be the provider. So to be the provider, then you have to like, how does that, how does that play into it? Mm. Uh, that's a good, uh, good fast before, but before we get into that, I'll just share an example I think uh, might apply to some people, and men in particular, that your families, uh, your parents are your first teachers. So if they have issues going on, like maybe substance abuse, alcohol use, or mental illness, or special needs, children in a family system, that kind of affects you growing up and affects and it's a challenge. And in my case, yeah, my father's uh, alcohol use kind of affected me. I, I was uh, pushed and also shamed. I wasn't good in calculus. I had to do summer school for two years after freshman and sophomore year and shamed. And here's the record that's a big F. Put it, taped it there and look at that. And 
you do better next time. And, but of course, that was under the influence. But other times, he wouldn't say a thing. Nicest guy, uh, happy-go-lucky, uh, sociable. But, uh, but he took it to the extreme of the social part. But uh, so the, the way I use that, it's a life lesson why I see in other people uh, growing up, their, their parents, uh, they have to maybe fix work on things before they even think of uh, working. It's to their benefit. Hopefully prevent, do some prevention work on yourself, work on your, your traumas and your hurts so you can better, first of all, study. Because you can't, it's hard for you to study when you have these pressures, things at home going on that are distracting you. But if you're better able to focus and uh, have the conversations, like it was mentioned, uh, families uh, should be talking. So we did some of that, but it could have been more consistent and more, more thorough. So uh, that's uh, something I learned. It's something I, that I know I kind of advocate and talk about for the people that I work with. So... Back to the traditional part. That's uh, that's an interest of mine. Can you be phrased and remind how? I I guess my question was like how do how do traditional roles for men play out in terms of career choices versus educational paths and vocational and hmm. how does that play into it? Like, or I have to chuckle a bit because what what does traditional mean present day? It can be. That's I, it I, I think it's I think it's wide open now. There could you could have a stay at home dad. And uh, the woman is uh, working somewhere as a manager and mm-hmm. bringing, home, bringing home the bacon. So it, it really is wide open. But I think the key thing is with uh, a little bit of discussion and communication, young men and women can follow their dreams, and whether it be uh, academics, higher, higher education, or their dream of could be a trade, could be ironwork, four years apprenticeship, and then uh, start the job, or... I know they're kind of promoting uh, trades, plumbing, uh, plumbing and uh, carpentry, and those kind of trades, $35, $40 an hour, and uh, be to be your own boss, and I guess the actual goal. Mm-hmm. But you start off uh, in that trade, and then you, you work your way up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talked about that, right, how roles are kind of, it's kind of just out there now. But traditionally, like our, our men and women did have specific roles like men were men did the work and women uh our, our mothers homestead. were the household and took care of the children yeah, yeah. traditionally as iroquois people that's how we kind of went but now like you mentioned that the roles seem to have changed and times are different now so what does traditional mean now for us like uh do men still feel um like they have to fulfill those traditional mm. roles like like you're talking culturally traditional yeah, culturally, roles. culturally condi- uh, traditional is what you're what you're saying yeah 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 i think it's what tom said as uh it can go both ways now mm-hmm. because like you think at the time when we like one is you have to look at when this information was received what was the time what like right so the men i believe that the men being more physical were the ones who had to go provide and uh, the woman being more caring of the children and the families staying home. And that still happens today, but uh, like we can, like women can provide now too, because you don't have to be physically, you know, you can have a really good job and just be smart now, you know? Mm -hmm. So in a traditional sense, maybe we, we'd have to see how, 
I would even say that if a man feels like he has to be a certain way, that that's not good. You know, I don't think that that's, we talk about our call, our culture, you want to dig deeper. Well, natural law is the king of laws. And if you don't feel good about something, it's not natural for you, you mm-hmm. know? So then we talk about, like I said, with, with thriving, if you're good at something, now you can actually provide with that. And if, if you don't want to do that, you don't, you don't have to, you could just, you know, but, it, but I think in, in our culture, it, it really, it should be like, again, we go back a long time ago, you had the women who were probably the best mothers ever. They knew exactly what they had to do and they probably loved what they were doing. Cause you have to remember there's not, there's nothing else to do. Like at that time, you don't have, all right, we're going, there's no ladies night. You know what I mean? Like you're in, the, you're together all the time, you know? And the men, like you had some of the best hunters. They probably loved what they were doing. And there's, those were the options laid out for them. But I can guarantee you that if you gave them more options, that it would be okay and it should be okay for them to choose those ones too, if they had it at the time. Mm-hmm. So now we live in a world, like there's so much opportunity here, you know? But yet we, the culture, the, the culture that we hold on to, I think we still hold on to it a little bit too much. And we think that that's how we have to be. Mm-hmm. But then I would argue with you and I would say, well, why do we still have so many unhealthy people here? You know, if that person really loves what they're doing, how come they, how come they have to binge drink for two days on the weekend? What's wrong? You yeah. Know? How, if they really love what they're doing, why are they addicted to drugs? Yeah. You know, if, they're, if they really love what they're doing, then how come they don't want to see their family? You know, it's, there's something, something's going on maybe sure. in their past or. Yeah. Cause, cause one thing that I've found through, like I said, I, my, my organic research, I just get obsessed with like the way that people do things and, and nature and all that stuff is that if you really want people to do the best that they can, they have to love what they're doing. Bottom line. Mm-hmm. So if we want a healthy community, what do you have to do? Follow, follow your passion. Get, and, and then be supportive. Mm-hmm. Other people need to be, it's not like, you know, here we have a hard time doing that. It's like, if I'm supportive of, of you, I better get like right now, I better get like 20 likes on Facebook. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> if I don't get those likes, I'm taking my post down. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it shouldn't be like that. It should just be uh, unconditional support because, well, I mean, unconditional love is there. But uh, like in our last conversation, maybe a lot of people don't like to feel that or they don't, they're afraid of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I was, uh, well, when I did that speech for the, the Truth and Reconciliation for CrossFit Canada, I told them that the way that I te- uh, teach the people at my gym is I care for them like as if they're my brothers and my sisters. So if you hurt yourself, which I don't want you to do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to care about it at the deepest level. And now if I want to get really good at my job, don't you think that would be the best way to go? It's, the, it's like the purest form of me helping you, right? Mm-hmm. and it's all there in our culture like it's literally li- it's been laid out for us that whole but you know it's like i said in our last conversation how i can say hey you know uh my friends or my my brothers across the street yeah you can go play with them i know you're safe like we have that unconditional love for each other here you know but then how do we actually use that yeah how, how can i how can i guide you to doing something that you love and that you're going to feel good about and and you're going to get better at and then what, what do you do after that? Because you experienced that. What do you want for other people? The same thing you've had, you know, but the survival mentality holds you back 
I don't have enough to give. I'm sorry. You know, I, I can't say that you're doing a good job because I'm afraid that I might lose something, you know, and I feel like that might be where that comes from at, at least, you know, so it's the roles are different now is what I'm mm-hmm. trying to say. Yeah. Know? But I think the deep part of that cultural mentality is because we say traditions, but like, you know, one of our traditions today is uh, we eat cornbread and steak on Sundays. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Like that's tradition, right? As much as we say that we don't, it's like, I'll see you on Sunday and we'll see what we're eating. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's cornbread it's day. It, it is tradition. But our, our culture and our, and our mental belief is this, uh, to me at least, is that unconditional care for each other that we have. And, you know, like going back to that, that speech that I had with CrossFit Canada, you have to remember that these are people that are not indigenous and the westernized mindset is different. I'm saying these things about how you should naturally care about people because it's good for business and they're writing it down. Like, <laughs> like this is some kind of like, can you repeat that, please? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think that if, if I were to empower somebody in Kahnawage, I would say that you have that and, and you and you better find it because it's very powerful to have that unconditional care for your neighbor. You know, like in Montreal, they can't do that. You know, I don't know if they can do that. And, you know, we have that like that connection with each other, mm-hmm. but we don't like and then we argue with each other or somebody gets jealous or somebody gets envious because you have that. And I have and then we can talk about the men and their jobs. I have a nice truck, but your truck is nicer. I need the nicer one now. Like how many trucks do we have in town? You know what I mean? So it's, I don't know. Well, that's like a, <laughs> I, I like what I'm hearing from all this is that they're, they're seeing like the goal should be to do something that you love. Like you hear that, that mm-hmm. phrase, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. But how many people actually do that? Men and women. And, and that's the right. reality too, is that I, I know I say that, but, um, there is a lot, there are a lot of individuals who do have to like grind a little bit yeah. and survive yeah. uh, to get to that point of thriving because you can't just, you know, like if you have bills to pay, if you have to feed yourself, you have to feed your kids, you are going to have to grind a little bit. But I know individuals who don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And they're still like, I don't want to try something new because it's like we we're saying earlier, it's something new and I'm, I'm vulnerable, you know? I'd rather just do what all, all the other men are doing because there's a level of uncertainty and a level of yeah. not knowing. Yeah. Even though I, I go home and I watch YouTube videos of whatever I really want to do. Right. You know, like everybody does it. Right. But then I go back to work and I'm just grinding, even though I, I don't have to. I don't want to change because it's not part of our, our social uh, acceptance pretty much, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds to me like. There, some something anyway something what you're saying resonates with this the like values like you you're doing this move no one can see you're doing this movement <laughs> with your hands that's yeah. sort of like drawing down to mm-hmm. the ground you know and you're and to me that that speaks of values but values that are that are embodied you know and i'm coming back to what you were talking about time because you could you could be told that these are the things that are important generosity and caring right and you could not know it on a, on some kind of deep level. Right. And that takes space. You need to have space to be able to explore what does it really 
Mm-hmm. Like, what is it? Re- what is it really to to care for somebody? Mm-hmm. You know, and so it feels like like do what you love. I, like I'm sort of coming back to what I was saying before, but how, how do you even know? How do you even know what mm-hmm. that is if you've never given, been given any space to to really start to construct? What is this? What does it mean to me? Mm-hmm. You know, to 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 live a life that's mm-hmm. in harmony with a value. You know, and not live a life that's in that's in you know harmony with just getting getting more stuff, you know, or making more money or being mm-hmm. at the top of my game kind of thing. So it feels like that is lacking across the board, not mm-hmm. only in this in this community, that is lacking all over the place. Mm-hmm. There's no space to stop for a moment and be like, okay, what's really important for me, even when it's right up in my face because the culture is telling me like these are the things that should be important right. for you. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's because like our reality that we live in. We could, we could idolize our culture that's right in front of our face and like aspire to be that, but that it doesn't, mm-hmm. like you mentioned colonialism and like Western world coming in, like it's reshaped all of our views, especially Kahnawake being right next to one of Canada's major cities with such a massive history. Like our value system in a way has changed. Like we have our roles and responsibilities mm-hmm. in our traditional culture, but we how our, do we... I guess, blend them or how do we make them? What's the word I'm looking for? How do we make them? How do we integrate or revitalize? Exactly. I was going to jump in and say, Ganawanga has its history too, even before, before uh, the settlers, our visitors. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's definitely a challenge. And we talk about this a lot and amongst uh, our, our teach, our traditional teachers and, uh, and uh, my coworkers, we talk about it a lot and, I tend to find myself in spots where I'm like a liaison. I'm, I'm an ambassador. I'm teaching a little bit our non-Indigenous friends uh, who we should be kind of uh, just informing and educating because they're not happy with the system either. So in a way, uh, I've used this term. I say, you, you're sure you're settlers, but if in a colonial system, we'll all have the job of unsettling, shaking up the system and making improvements where mm-hmm. we can. Mm. But it's difficult to, because um, it's uh, it's the mainstream and it's uh, the system is big, health, education, politics, and governance, all that, and the churches. It's all big systems, but uh, you know you gotta keep on trying. But just and then just to follow up with what John says, I'm I'm he's validating as he's speaking. There's all kind of teachings that are coming to mind that we should be following our life's purpose, mm-hmm. where our life's purpose, and be allowed to to explore that in our family and, and elsewhere. I imagine back in the day, people had a quick, uh, a good idea of how to kind of read a young man or a woman growing up, mm-hmm. and they could determine if they were good for leadership mm-hmm. and hunting or, mm-hmm. or, or speaking and those, those mm-hmm. kind of things. So life's purpose is something that we talk about. So in my case, it took a long time for me to find mm-hmm. a, a life's purpose, but I'm happy where I am. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and along with that is just... Uh, yeah, the, the traditional roles are, are applying the teachings in a modern day context. It's a challenge. Mm-hmm. And, and you talk about values. What are the ma- the values? We can say that peace, power, mm-hmm. peace, good mind, and uh, righteousness, mm-hmm. or that kind of thing. That can, there's a lot of discussion there and how, how to apply it and how to use it. It's challenging too because we've got pressures from everywhere. We've got demands everywhere. Mm-hmm. I'll leave it there. Don't have the answer, but I'll just lay that out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, I kind of feel like uh, you guys are saying a lot of important things mm-hmm. here that like career choice, education, your role should all just 
like, do we do that? Do mm. we, do we, do we have a thing to identify mm. what people are good that, at? That was something that uh, Tom had brought up. But, um, so, so he, he was saying that even like when we elected the chiefs a while back, we had the, basically you had the oldest woman in the community choose the chief, you know? And I think that makes sense because she's, has the most experience with life. So she was be able to see, you know, they, they watch them as their kids and say, I think he's going to be a pretty good one and then go from there. And, you know, it would be interesting to, to, to see how they could maybe even choose hunters and, and gatherers and things of that nature too, you know, but, uh, the chief, the clan mother chose the chief and then naturally he became a good leader. And, you know, it's like, we have proof that to this day that these leaders were very strong because even the westernized people use them as examples for leadership. Mm -hmm. So if you tell me they're not like the Michael Jordan of leadership, you know what I mean? They are, they should have their own cards, you know, their own uh, trading cards. <laughs> um, so what that tells me now is that's something, you know, that was very powerful. And if you want to talk about what is our culture, then that's part of it is the natural selection of roles, you know, and it's not just a man does this, a woman does that. I think that there might've been cases where that's going to be a good leader, whether it's a man or a woman, maybe, I don't know. That would be something to talk about, but that's interesting. But anyways, um, what I was going to say was I read this book called Mastery. Um, and the book is basically a guide on how, if you want to get really good at something, this is where you start and this is where you finish. And it starts right from when you're a child. And at that point, at that age, like right when you're born or when you start making, you know, when a baby starts doing like their own thing, they just do the one thing constantly. And uh, instead of the parent being like, oh, why, why do you do that all the time? You know, they should be paying attention to that. Okay, this is something. And then from there, you go from there. And basically, they, he, in the book, Rob, Robert Greene, the author he uses, I, I think it's uh, Leonardo da Vinci as, a, as an example. And he says that one is he had that like uh, that uh, self-belief to do things that were different mm -hmm. while the other kids made fun of him. And one of the things that he was obsessed with was plants and the way that it describes that his obsession with plants was he was so obsessed with it he wanted to know how it happened like how did it get to that how did it grow so he started drawing it and he he drew everything on it and then without um intent intention of of making art he made like a perfect picture of a flower you know or whatever and people seen that they're like you're really good at that is oh yeah i like this you know and then how can you just facilitate that all the way through? And then he becomes this amazing artist, you know? And then if you, if you, you learn about every single person that has ever done something amazing with themselves, you learn that it starts from in, when they're an infant, you know? But me, well, my, what intrigued me was learning about this, but also realizing that the clan mothers did the same thing with the chiefs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so then why can't we do it today? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's this is why I lift a lot of weight. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I I agree with you there. Like that, uh, you mentioned time, Brent, John. You both talked about time, and I think maybe because of the way that our families are right now, is that there is not a lot of time because both parents are working. Mm -hmm. So where are their children? Their children are in daycares or are they're in schools? So you don't get to see those moments where their interests come out. But as an educator, yeah. I was a daycare educator for a number of years. 
I caught those moments with a lot of the kids that I was working with. So then parents are hearing it from a third party now instead of seeing it mm-hmm. right in front of them. But um, I think that we do still see in youth what's happening. Like if we bring up sports, for example, parents have a big dream that their kid's going to be the top player in the NHL. Mm-hmm or lacrosse or insert whatever sport here. Mm -hmm. So like instead of, you know, following their kids' natural gifts because they don't know what they are because they're not, the time is a factor, right? That's the observation, yeah. They're going to pick an interest for them Mm -hmm. real young and drill that in them Mm -hmm. real young. Mm -hmm. So now we're seeing like three and four-year-olds on the ice Mm -hmm. because they're going to be NHL stars one day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was actually, that was one thing that was mentioned in that book was a lot of the, it's usually around the teenage, teenagers, they have their, either their educators tell them they have to be a certain way. That's why you always hear about the best teachers are the ones that just told you, I believe in you, do what you want, I'll be there for you. Those are the best teachers, you know, and I'll show you some cool things on on the way there, you know, Mm -hmm. I'll show you what I know, the parents, you know, like what you're saying, they have this dream of, I want to have my kid do this. But it's like, have you ever actually sat down and talked to your kid and asked them, do they want to do that? And is your kid just answering you because they don't want you to get mad at them? You know what I mean? So there's so many different things though that have to happen before you actually get to that point. But you're making that, you're making the observation of number one is how can the parents know what their kids want to do if they're not there? Mm -hmm. And then number two, how can the kid even like, they have no guidance? You know, there's, there's so many different things that, that happen with that. So there would have to be, it's like, a, it always comes back to, it has to be a community uh, thing, a community. Um, everybody has to participate. You know, they say like, um, it takes a community to grow uh, a child. Is that what the saying is? To raise, to a, raise, child. A, to raise a child. Yeah. Well, that's, that's exactly what that means. You know, there's, a, it's just, so there's so many, like when we have a tragedy, you know, this is something we, we need to pay attention to more. It's, and one thing I thought about the other day is, when we have a tragedy in Gunawage, if we could all feel it the way that the mother feels it, if we wouldn't let it happen again, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that that is important, you know, because we're going to work really hard and we're going to start to ignore all the BS so that that doesn't happen again. But it's like the, the westernized way is I take care of my own family and you have your family and you have your family. But our way it's like, like, it like what I'm practicing at the gym is these are all my brothers and my sisters, you know, like I'm, I'm helping these guys and it's, it's even better because now we're talking to each other like we're brothers, you know what I mean? And you could have fun when you're talking to your brothers, like. Cause there's like a connection sure. that's built. Yeah. And then there's also a care. There's a level of caring. Like I want you to succeed because if you succeed, I do. And I, and it makes me feel good, you know? So. I think I'm just, I'm hearing you and I feel like it's maybe something here is important to put out is this, this sense of a, of a, of a privilege. Like I can, I can imagine someone listening and be like, yeah, all that sounds great. I don't have time for that mm-hmm. because I, because we both have to work sure. know, because, because we have to make ends meet, you know, and, and sort of the recognition of what brings it to be like that now Mm -hmm. what brings it to be more individualistic Mm -hmm. when when it wasn't at when it wasn't that way before and so there's something i think that needs to be recognized in the in the in the 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 history the trauma and 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 how it's it could almost seem like yeah that's that sounds all nice and everything 
but I can't not send my kid to daycare, mm-hmm. you know? So there's, there's something about the, there's a, it feels like there's something important here to like take away the responsibility on the individual parent, you know, because if they're alone, of course, they're not going to be able to do right. that kind of thing. They're mm-hmm. not going to yeah. be able to make the space mm-hmm. for that. So there's still like a, a level of survival going yeah, on. Sure. We're still at a survival sure. level. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a hard, like what I'm talking about with this, uh, bringing up the person to become something that they're good at and provide and in their own way or teach in their own way or whatever. It's probably one of the hardest things to do in the, in the world. You know, it's one of, it's a very hard thing to do, but if, but what's the point of like, to me, the way I think is, are we going to try or are we just going to say we can't do it? You know? Mm-hmm. So, so it's, in, then we just identify, well, number one is like we said earlier, well, maybe, maybe a lot of people don't even know about this. And they don't know that that's what's going on. They just think that that's normal. You know, they think that this is normal. This is the way that it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know. And then once they hear that, they start to spark some kind of, maybe I can change something, you know, maybe I can try at least. And then you figure out, like we're saying with the parents, there are some parents who are together. So they have that already. And there's some parents who are separate. But I'll tell you one thing that's very beautiful about our culture is that it shouldn't really matter that much. Because there's a family there, yeah, you know, and, and we have, that's almost like we have leverage in that sense, because that's part of our culture. You know, like if I have, um, like if I, if my stepfather is a good father to me, it shouldn't matter, you know? And honestly, I think that we have in a, in a, in our community, we should have more than one father and we should have more than one mother. Obviously our biologically we have one, yeah, but spiritually we should have way more. Well, it's in our language you know, too, because yeah. we don't have a word for aunt mm-hmm. yeah, or and, anything. And, and it's then, Ista. And, Every and woman the, that's older than you is Ista. And then you have to ask, why is that? Yeah. You know, where does that come from? We didn't just say those things. It's because we actually felt that at, at a certain point. That's mm-hmm. how it was, you know, and, and then that's like what you're saying. How can we modernize? I think the, a good word was modernize our culture mm-hmm. and, and bring it up to date. To you kind know. of fit because like yeah. we are still living literally in that two row wampum. Mm-hmm. Like we still have to exist in the Western world. Right. Or westernized thinking. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're, we still have to exist outside of this town. Mm-hmm. So like that's where a lot of those pressures are coming from. Like the money and the work mm-hmm. and the cost of living is crazy. And mm-hmm. like, so that's a question, right? Like how do we modernize and integrate traditional values with, uh, current situations. Mm-hmm. I just say some things never grow old. Just the idea of uh, nurturing and taking care of one another. And if you want to throw in peace and uh, good mind, those things, but they need to be nurtured as well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you're born into a family, you don't have that peace. There's some things that you have to work on maybe when you're older mm-hmm. or you rely on extended family and extended family. Mm-hmm. And the thing I wanted to add in is What's great about Native Indigenous communities is the relationships, mm-hmm. and Mohawk in particular is very strong. Mm-hmm. Relationships biologically and uh, with creation, and in the longhouse we see that, the other side of the fire, mm-hmm. all that brings us stronger. I mean, we, we've, it still exists, but not consistently. Mm-hmm. But if we, if we bring those together, of course it comes together in crisis, always in crisis, yeah, sometimes we come together. It does, mm-hmm. yeah. Like in 1990 and other, other things, mm-hmm. fundraising coming together. Mm-hmm. That's great. But then it seems to die. It's there, but mm-hmm. uh, we kind of resort back to uh, 
the way the competition, individual, and mm -hmm. uh, we touched on it too, uh, the collective is really, uh, should mm -hmm. be something that we should keep in mind, not just us. And then thinking of the future generations, which is important mm -hmm. too. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very interesting. I was thinking about that the other day too, how we're so powerful when it comes to like the last, you know what I mean? It's like, all right, guys, we got to get together now. Like, but why does it have to be like that all the time? It has to get imagine, to a breaking point. But imagine what it would be like if we can be like that when we're, like I'm saying, thriving, you know? Imagine how strong we would be. And I feel like there was a point in time where we, we were like that and we knew about that. And like I said, you know, like, I mean, one of the general ideas that I have about a lot of this, I guess you can say that we're talking about males and their, and their mental health and things like that is we don't, we're lost in that sense and we're looking for something and maybe it's, it's already there. I know a lot of people say this, that we should go outside of the community and to be successful and we should leave and things like that. And that's where we're going to find the answer. But I think that the answers are already here. But I think that we might not have the courage to actually un unfold them yet. Mm -hmm. We we'd rather leave and then come back when everything's okay. But like, you know, it's like being at the gym. If you want to lift that, if you want to lift 500 pounds, you better show back up here every day for five years and then you'll be able to do it. But you got to deal with the shit first. And it's the same thing for, for an addict. You got to deal with the shit. And if you want to be sober, it's going to suck. You know, that's why it's easy for them to relapse and go back to it. You know, I don't mm -hmm. want to, I want to get these thoughts out of my head. So what's the difference between that and somebody who ignores in, in peace? You know, I, I know somebody that does that. I know a lot of people that do that. I used to do that when I was a teenager. Everything's perfect. It's a beautiful day outside. The birds are chirping. This is a good, it's good. To, let's go get a six pack. This is a perfect <laughs> time. It's a drinking day today. So we're so accustomed to that but what is that really maybe i don't maybe i'm not happy that everything's perfect maybe i can't maybe i can't settle with the fact that it's a beautiful day outside i need to i need to sabotage it somehow you know mm -hmm. and it's and we need to celebrate like no we don't just you know we talk about being grateful and having gratitude well i think a lot of that is just being able to sit down and enjoy yourself like just be there you don't have to do anything, you know, but I, I know a lot of people who do that. They'll sabotage. Everything's going beautiful. I have relatives that do this. Everything's good. Their life is good. They talk to me. Oh yeah, it's good. All of a sudden you hear about them. They're, oh, where were they last night? You know, things like that. It's like, it's not good, you know, but there's so many people that do that here. There's, at least that I know, you know. It's like a, it's almost like a fear of, of peace. Sure, of satisfaction, because, of happiness, mm -hmm. of success. And, and, and then you have to ask, where does that come from? Yeah. Right. Like, why are people so afraid to be happy? Well, well Karina, it's who is telling you that you're not allowed to be happy? That's it, too. You know, who, who is telling it. you that you're not allowed to feel like that? You know, it's, it's like, like I said, like the answers are here, but you have to like be willing to sit down and think about it for real, you know, you know, and then, and then when you know what's going on, like for me, my, my answer to that was I, I try to teach the, the people the medicine that I discovered, which was being aware of my body and conscious. And then with that, I can like, uh, I can, I can train my mind at the same time to be healthy. I can train my mind to be calm. It's more of a calm, you know, and then I can teach that because I know that this is going to be like, you know, it's good. I'll just say business is good. You know? 
but uh i knew that it was something you know and and i, and I said i say, tell people this all the time you know like mental health isn't all right we need to sit in a room full of crystals you know yeah like i don't know like one crystal doesn't work buy another one two, two crystals don't buy, buy three no it's it's dealing with reality the real stuff you know and at least i don't mine isn't the cure or mine isn't the answer but imagine if we could have more people find their answers and and then teach them i don't, I don't really i he's a he's an amazing guy but russell russell's fine he he teaches art yeah and he loves it yeah you know and i think that's very good that he does that i think that he should keep doing it and i think that he can get really good at it and i think that he can provide for a lot of people doing that yeah you know that's his gift and then it's more people we need more people like that and, and and in the modern world what the issue is does it make enough money that's a you know that no that's the big elephant in the room yep right <laughs> yep and that's and that's hard to it's hard to get around that like i said some most people have to get into the to survival mode first mm-hmm. make enough money and then i can thrive but some people they stay in that survival mode forever mm-hmm. you know and then they can switch over or you see a lot of um like one thing I like to thank my father for and, and my family is that they allowed me to, to do this. Like they worked really hard and I'm going to give thanks to them by showing them that I can do this. You know, I can be different and I can be strong and I can do what I love and I can love myself, you know. And I know that, I know that like uh, a lot of people would have a hard time saying things like that, but I don't know. Uh, like I said in the last podcast, that it should be okay that I can talk like this, you know. Yeah. It should be okay. And I would say the same thing about other people. If you can do the same thing, you know, it feels pretty good. And like, I would recommend it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, I feel like I've, been, I've just been talking the whole time. So. Well, you brought yeah, up a yeah, lot yeah, of... True. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to, I want to point out the, the hard work that you're speaking about though, but not, in the, not necessarily in the same way. I mean, obviously you've done a lot of hard work, mm-hmm. but you're talking about some other kind of work, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And 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 the sacrifice of that yeah you know there's there's this question that that i that i wonder about with this with what the things you're bringing up is like but you know are 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 we ready to sacrifice these other kinds of quote unquote happiness mm-hmm. you know they're more immediate mm-hmm. there's, yeah, a, there's yeah. a lot more immediate you know than you talking about the five years like mm-hmm. you you know you can you can you know get get a get a nice car mm-hmm. and feel good almost right away mm-hmm. about that you know and so it sort of goes back to what we were speaking about in the other mm. podcast too, like the care, like how, what do I care about yeah. for my family? You know, yeah. if I'm sort of given some room to be able to care about a different kind of happiness, a well-being, mm-hmm. and, and if I know the, the value of that and if I can maybe even touch it because I've seen it in other people, well, then maybe it makes it easier for me to take a path that isn't, that isn't so accessible um, you know, that takes a different kind of work mm-hmm. to do sort of like what you're talking about, the mm-hmm. path that you've taken. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, there's like a lot of careers out there that would be considered, I guess, more or less risky. Like there's the starving artist, mm-hmm. like money is always a factor in everything mm-hmm. you do. And like, if you're a musician, you're not guaranteed to be successful in terms of money. Mm-hmm. If you're an athlete, there's a time where your sports career is going to end. Maybe mm-hmm. you're going to get injured or something, you know, like those, I guess, are the quote unquote opening a gym, starting your own business. Those are like the risky things. Right. And I, I feel like 
like not just men, but some women too, we kind of shy away from those because there is a level of risk mm -hmm. in it because the money part is so important. So talking back about your values, like that instant gratification of a truck or whatever, $75,000 unit for nothing versus that's like an instant, like now that's gratifying versus maybe mm -hmm. in a few years, you're going to have a down payment for a house or something like that. Like, oh, <laughs> in our town, our, our values are kind of twisted a little yeah. bit. But again, I think that comes from this notion of survival again, mm -hmm. because we're not super, not all families are wealthy here. So like I, I come from a family, a little bit of disclosure. We're not, we're not a wealthy family. I grew up on welfare my entire life, my, with a single mom and everything else. So it's like, we we don't even know what to do with money. Yeah. Like if we earn money, like like now for myself, you know, like I mm. I work and everything else, but there's very little. Uh, what's the term here? Actually, financial literacy. Like yeah. we don't know how to spend it. We don't know how to save it. Oh, we know it. how to spend it. Don't <laughs> <laughs> we definitely know yeah, how to the, spend the, it. The, the car dealerships in the surrounding area love us. You know what I mean? Yeah, they they'll pull out all the stops. <laughs> But, deals. but that's it. Are we like, how, where do we learn how to spend our money or what, yeah. what are our values here mm -hmm. when it comes to spending money? You know, you know, what's interesting about that is that this, the conversation stemmed from you talking about the short term gratification, you know, and, uh, at my gym, I have a poster uh, or, or, a a painting hanging up on the wall by, uh, Louis Hall. And, uh, I, I don't, I didn't know him. But I know that he was important in terms of our our pictures, and and uh, I'm pretty sure he was the one that had created the warrior. Uh, I could be wrong. The warrior flag, if any of you know the right. Yeah, that's true. It's true. And the painting is um, it's of an Indian or a native person holding a a boulder on his back, and he's climbing a mountain. Mm -hmm. And at the bottom, it says, uh, "Comfort comes as a as a friend and departs as the master." And what he says in there is that. The ancient Indian used to practice uh, physical, mental, and spiritual mass, uh, mastery. We used to practice it because we knew that it would pay off in the long run. Mm -hmm. And then it brings you to the next conversation where you talk about seven generations down the road. You know, if I want my seven generations, which is a very long time, to thrive, what do I have to do today? Make sacrifices, you know? So when we talk about even financial literacy, it's in our culture to be financially illiterate. Even when it you comes know, down to saving we, seeds we should, in the garden. Mm -hmm. We should know that, like, I know the two, the Tesla Cybertruck, like, it, it, it comes to my mind every day, at least for like <laughs> five minutes. It's your I know, Roman Empire. <laughs> I know it's, it would be cool to have, but one thing I think about with my financials is that when I have a family, I want to be able to make sure that they're, they're safe and secure. And I don't want to have to worry about a lot of stuff. So teaching this to myself over and over again was, uh, I'm pretty comfortable now, but instant gratification was, I mean, it comes hand in hand with my job too. You know, it's not going to, this is going to suck today, but in years time, it's going to pay off. People ask me like, what motivates you to keep doing that? You know, when the, when the director for CrossFit Canada and the international director for CrossFit came to the gym, they're like, uh, well, I told them about 1990 and all these things, and they had no idea that this happened to us. And one of them lives in Montreal. They're like, how are you not mad? <laughs> I said, do you, do you see what my body looks like? <laughs> <laughs> do you see my workouts that I do all the time? 
you know, you think I don't have some kind of emotion towards this, uh, but I decided to use it in a different way than what most people would assume or at least do, you know? And so like I, I t said earlier, that's my way of changing my narrative, but it's also motivating to know that the ancient Indians used to practice this as well, you know? So it's, so I, this is why I like, you know, some people will shrug it off and be like, ah, you know, that's just uh, a quote that you took from Instagram or Facebook or some, you know, hard work pays off and all that. I'm like, no, it, like this is actually a thing that works. And I think that everybody should practice it because even when you teach somebody about uh, delayed gratification, knowing that they can take care of themselves has its own, we'll say, instant gratification to it. You know, mm -hmm. and, and Tom, you probably know that when, and you guys probably know that when you, when you help somebody, you know, you feel like that's good enough. You know, you don't need, uh, you don't need the, the nicest truck. You don't need the biggest house. You don't need the most money. And, and that was another thing I, wa I wanted to bring up was too, is where is that competitiveness coming from uh, when it comes to finances? Like, that's not part of our, yeah. we're not, that's not our people. Mm -hmm. We don't do that. Like, where, where, where did we learn that from? You know, is it, is it still part of the survival where if, if this person's beating me, I, I might lose everything. So even at the highest level, you're still fighting, you know, even when you have all that stuff, you're still fighting. Why are you still fighting? You know, you have enough to actually provide and, and help the community thrive, to be honest. But until you change that mentality, until you give that, you make that sacrifice, that delayed gratification. And you take your, let's say, 100 million and you decide to give 50 million to the community, right? And you say that I still have enough, which is 50 million is pretty good, you know? And you say, I'm doing this because I want my community to thrive, you know? But some people, they just hold on to as much as they can. Mm. For, and this could be financially. This could be, like we said, with the men emotionally. Mm -hmm. I don't want to cry. I can't cry. Why? Because I'm going to lose everything or people are going to see me weak. It's like, who cares? Honestly, honestly, who cares? But if you care that much, that means that you don't have, like, you're about to, why do you feel like that's the last resort, you know? So in a way, I <laughs> could kind of see it being equated to like this version of power. Mm -hmm. But then in, if we're thinking collectively in our community here, power against who? Yeah, for real. Against honestly. each other? Because mm -hmm. we, we are just... If this were like 500 years ago, we'd all be living in the same village in the same longhouse. Mm -hmm. So who are you, who are you trying to power up? Like, I, I guess. I'm reminded of a story, time for a funny, funny moment. Mm -hmm. Funny, of course. <laughs> I knew a, I was friend with a vice president of uh, Catelli uh, Corporation, I guess the food, food company. Is that the like noodles and pasta? Yeah. And they yeah. provided uh, <laughs> at the time meals, uh, rations for the Canadian forces. Anyway, he says, uh, we're on a first name basis. I said, Tom, don't, uh, don't ever think about joining the rat race like, uh, like I have, rising up through the ranks, vice president of uh, marketing or whatever it is. Don't even think about joining the rat race because at the end of the day, you're still a rat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <And> I just, <laughs> he just had a good laugh. I said, I knew what he meant, mm -hmm. uh, the competition. And he went on further to say he, like, he lost himself. Mm. He was so driven that he lost himself, broken marriage. After a few years, we followed up. I followed up with him, and he's, uh, he's happy living in the eastern townships. Got traded in his expensive vehicle, and mm -hmm. uh, fun, even funnier, got into uh, picking mushrooms, uh, picking uh, close to the land, which kind of made sense. He wanted to be hands-on, and, uh, well, that's a grounding thing, too, to be on the land. Mm -hmm. 
and that was good medicine for him. Yeah, his name is uh, John Giancarlo Italian. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me think of wealth, and and you you've spoken a few times or a couple of times over this these this this two hours, John, about about the rich something about resources in the community, and it mm-hmm. makes me think about wealth. What you're what you're saying, Tom, and I wonder, like you know, is is there access to this wealth that has nothing to do with money? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exact. That's a really good thing to look at because if we assume that uh, actual money is the only wealth, then, well, this is why everybody's wanting more of it. But then it's like, well, if that's the actual true happiness or the true like, um, goal, then why, then why can't people settle with a certain amount? You know? So there's the other, the other wealth that we can talk about where it's like the, what I said earlier, how you make people Honestly, I think as human beings, what we're supposed to do is help other people, you know, because then you get that sense of connection, you get that sense of I've done something good today. And it's just we're like as a species, that's what we are. We're a community or a communal species and we can't argue against like natural law, you know. (laughs) So, so when we're looking for what is our purpose, it's like, well, help each other, you know, and that's pretty wealthy. You know, you, we, uh, going back to what I said earlier about our, our chiefs and saying and how westernized people use them as examples of leadership because they were so good at what they did. You know, they weren't the wealthiest people. You know, if anything, I think that a true chief is going to be the one with the least amount of possessions, but they have the most power in the community because if they need anything, everybody's going to be there for them, you know? Yeah. So they don't. They don't have a lot of stuff because, but their value and their wealth and their happiness comes from knowing that they have the, I guess, the will and the, and the knowledge to help everybody around them if they can, you know? And then obviously, like now it's like modernized days. It's nice to have toys, like you could have the toys, but I don't think that that should be what males should strive for because that's all it is, is toys, you know? You know, you're, 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 what you're saying is, is reminding me of the, the relational, the relational aspects that, that maybe we might've touched on the last podcast, like the things that, that men are not necessarily raised to be sensitive to, but you're Mm -hmm. talking about things that remind me of generosity, Mm -hmm. you know, and as a, as a relational quality, you know, it it, in its essence is reciprocal. You know, if you are giving from the heart, Mm -hmm. you are gaining at the same time, you know, maybe even, maybe even more. Yeah. And so, and so finding a career or a job or whatever, where, where you can help it touch into these kinds of reciprocal qualities, mm-hmm. love being an, another one, care you've, you've mentioned, and we, we can imagine how, how that allows us to be in places that, that don't necessarily give us the, um, the, uh, the, the financial, the, the financial, um, yeah, it's a different kind game. of feeling, it's a different kind of, yeah. 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 And it's very, it's very dangerous with the financial one too, because if I make a hundred dollars, I can make a thousand dollars, but Hey, I made a thousand dollars. I can make $10,000, but Jimmy has $10,000. I can make a hundred thousand dollars. But then on the way there, what are you doing? Are you ignoring your family? Are you hurting people? You know? Mm -hmm. So that's, I mean, that's another thing that you talk about as a male and and your, and your income at least. But that's, but that's, um, it's like you're sacrificing the wealth that we're talking about in order to gain the financial wealth. You know, mm. you're, you're giving, 
away all moral value so that you can have the most possessions. And mm. to me, that's a deal breaker. You're sacrificing too much if sure. you got to sure. that, go that way. You know, and then what's unfortunate about that is that um, I believe that that can come from trauma. That can come from, I don't know when to stop. It can be, I don't have any moral values because I was never taught that and I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. So then, this is, you know, we, like we said it earlier, this is why you have to talk about it. Some people don't even know about these things, you know, um, but that's definitely a big thing, you know, is having that financial, okay, it's nice to have stuff. And if you have everything that you can provide for yourself and your family, perfect, beautiful. If you can enjoy a vacation, you know, once in a while, it's even better. But if you have to be more financially set off than everybody else because it's a competition, I would, I would make the argument that that's probably toxic. That's not, you're not actually happy. Mm-hmm. I don't think you ever will be. It's because it's you know? the, the thing that the motivation, mm-hmm. like the drive, the mm-hmm. uh, I'm at a loss for words it's, here. It's coming from a different place of, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Intention. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So th- that would be something to, to really look at too, is, um, do men actually, what is your motive? Is it financial? Or is it, you know, financial health, you're wealthy? Or is it, um, is it uh, spiritual health, the reason why you like to do things, you know? Yeah. So the way that I'm seeing it right now is that it, there's clearly just, yeah, trying to figure, find a balance between financial wealth and mm-hmm. then pure happiness and satisfaction and mm-hmm. fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And the next layer underneath that is like some people... It takes them a really long time to figure out what, mm-hmm. what fulfills them. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like Tommy mentioned, you tried a whole bunch of different things and then mm. it was, you, yeah, it was good. You but then settled in. Yeah. Like you, you found your place. And then Brent, you mentioned right at the beginning that you spent too many years in school <laughs> because there was other facets of learning to do what you wanted to do. And then we have John who seemed to like you seem like you were supported yeah. to find it, your path almost mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. So I think that the common thing here is that like men, women, all people just need to have that support system to be like, okay, you like comics, for example, and you're a good drawer. So why don't you keep doing that? Mm-hmm. Or if you notice your three-year-old is singing and whatever all the time. So you sign them up for piano lessons mm-hmm. or like, but again, it's about the time, right? And then it comes back back to that balance. So how do you balance their wealth with the fulfillment? And how do we remove that that financial burden so yeah. that we have more time to find these things out? So it kind of all mm-hmm. connects in this. It's so funny that you say it, it always comes back to that. Oh, there's, there's not enough time. And it makes you wonder how disconnected we are from the natural world that we have to think like that, you know, like I don't have enough time to pay attention to my kids to see if they're good at something and pay attention to these. <laughs> it's like, and what it do sounds you, so awful to say but, it, but, but, but it's the, a reality. The irony of it, Karina, is that that is actually the right way that you should be doing things, you know, mm-hmm. but we're so worried about not providing or whatnot that we ignore it, you know, and uh, a, a lot of people are scared of doing that. It is very scary to, to fail over and over and over and over again. And then when you think you finally got it, you don't got it. And then you try again and then you do it again and then you do it again. And then finally you got something and then you keep building on that. Right. 
a lot of people can't do that but it's like it's all there like i said people go out of town they go all to all these places and look for the answers but our, it's all there we already have it here but it's it's not easy it's really hard to do you know mm-hmm. but it's funny that you say that it's you know it's like I, like i said it's um i don't have enough time to pay attention to what my child really wants to do i'm just going to tell them all the things all the stuff that i think that they should do and and go to work like that's actually kind of not okay you know yeah like if anything like one thing that my mother told me when i when i got when i brought home my first girlfriend was if you get her pregnant you're it's it's about the kid now so i was she scared me right away you know <laughs> i want to meet but, your mother but, but, yeah. <laughs> she's but, wonderful we should but, have her come on <laughs> yeah she's actually amazing um but what she taught me was it's like literally everything that you do when you have a child, it should be about the child now. And then going back to our culture, what is it? That's exactly what it is. We always preach about the next generation. What can we do for the next generation? What can we do this? What can we do that? And then we go home and we want, we watch Netflix for three hours after that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, what? It, <laughs> my jokes are crazy. But uh, I know. But what are you actually doing to make that investment like i'm saying it's even you could even argue that it's a it's a delayed gratification you know one time i was sitting in the truck with my brother and he has two sons and my brother's a really good father he's you know i love him for that um and my nephew's in the back just asking all the questions that kids ask you know and i'm answering all of them and my brother just looks at me he's like john just agree just agree to all of them you know (laughs) and it was like it was that that time where I was like, um, oh, what was I saying now? Pay attention, you know, pay attention to them. And and we're so used to just turning off for a little while with the kids, oh, just agree, just agree. But you never know, there's, the kid might say something that's like very important yeah, in their life, them. you know? And uh, the, I think that that's one thing that we should pay attention. I mean, we're pretty good at it here though, too, like with the kids. We care about our kids a lot here. Yeah. And we have a lot of love for our kids. And then it's like, well, let's even, let's make that even better. How can we get them to do the things that they love, you know? And then you can even talk about as a man, what can I do for that? Well, first I better start talking about my feelings, right? Yeah. Cause if I'm holding on to stuff, I can't work. At least in that sense, I can probably build a house without ever speaking a word, right? Yeah. I can hammer a few nails in, take my, my anger out. But if I never actually talk about the way I feel, I might not be able to help my kid, you know? And then the same thing for a woman. It's like, that's what my mother told me is as soon as the kids and it's about them, you know? So like Tom said, if not, if I'm not fully healed yet and I'm, and I can't be, I can't wonder how this happened if I already know, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's all there. Like I said, like I keep repeating it. It's all here already. We already know what we have to do, but it's, it's, it's very hard. You know, it's very, very hard, especially when we have uh, like when uh, Canada, the CrossFit Canada came over and they gave us, they feel bad for us, you know? So we, we, we think that we're like, um, they walked in. So what happened was you, uh, Karina was there cause she's part of the class, but uh, I had been invited to CrossFit Canada, to, uh, an affiliate summit. So basically what it is, is all the CrossFit affiliates in the area get to come to this meeting and talk about business and community and of course being indigenous they wanted me to do uh 
uh, what, what is opening? It? Uh, no, no. What is it called? Land acknowledgement. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So they want me to do that, you know. And I said, yeah, I'll take the gig. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I went there, and I thought it was a good chance for me to just talk about myself, honestly, because it's like, you know, sometimes they'll ask you, can you tell us about indigenous people? It's like, oh, I'll just tell you about myself because I'm indigenous, <laughs> you know. So I didn't have anything written down, but I just spoke and and. I told them about everything and next you know the interna- international director and the, the director for Canada they wanted to come check out uh, Karina's teen, teen class on uh, on Monday which was after that weekend you know the following Monday and what was interesting to them was that I was able to reach out to all of the the dynamic uh, not the dynamics but the the different ages teenagers young youth like middle-aged people and then even the elders you know because the the most crossfit gyms only cater to a certain age group so they were amazed by that that i was able to do that or karina it's really all karina that does that (laughs) so they came and they checked it out and while they were there i was able to tell them about 1990 and you know all the stuff that goes on in gunawage and i was getting the feeling uh the same feeling that i get when i watch the news and i see you know those people, they sign up to go to like Africa and they want to help them build huts and stuff like that. That's what I felt like. I felt like the people that were in Africa, or and my example is horrible, but uh, I felt like that at the time. Like they were feeling sorry for me and they needed to help me. I didn't like it. I didn't like that feeling, you know? And it, was, it wasn't because I felt like I needed help. Mm-hmm. It was because I felt like we already got this. Don't worry. But, yeah. but a lot of us don't know that yet. So, and, and then obviously the reaction of a westernized mindset, or at least in that sense was, let's buy them a shitload of supplements. <laughs> <laughs> so they, sorry for swearing. Um, Not the first time. Don't be the last. No. But, uh, so they showed up with all, like, too much. Like, they're walking Stuff. in with apples and all these things. And I remember I looked at Karina and I'm like, this is crazy. Like they're bringing so much stuff in, right? Do they think we're starving? <laughs> is well, the qu- well, that, well, quote well, unquote. <laughs> but, but that's interesting to observe because may, it might help sometimes to take a third person perspective to see, you know, and, and, and I was upset about that a little bit, you know, about uh, this is how they see us, you know, because I don't feel like that. It shows that there actually is something there, you know, but one of the things that really, like I said in the last one, stuck out to me was that we do have that power of community and we almost have that like that magic that answer that they want how do you hit all of the de- all of the what the demographics yeah how do you hit all of the demographics like that john i said well karina is like my relative you know these kids they trust karina because that's like their mother or their big i i, I think more of a big sister you mm-hmm. know so it's very, cause they're like, at, they're looking at me, Karina, they're like, how are they, how are they listening to her right now? <laughs> I'm like, how are they not listening to her? You know what I mean? Like this, it's fun what they're doing. They're, they're having fun. So then they couldn't believe it. And then same thing with the people my age, how do you get them to, to do what you're doing? You know, it's, well, one is, I know that a lot of people need to start feeling good about themselves in the community, you know? And I think that this is a way to do it. And then the elders is, well, let me give them a sense of hope. Uh, one of my first classes with the elders was, let me see you get on the floor and then get back up, you know? And they needed my help at the beginning, but I said, well, we can do it, you know? And now they 
can't stop dancing every time Motown comes on. You know what I mean? Like it's it's crazy in there. But uh, yeah, it's yeah. And I don't even know where where I I started with this, but uh, I just I I can't stop talking. I'm still I'm, I'm connecting the points. Yeah, it's yeah, a it's, it's a supporting, empowering, mm-hmm. nurturing, encouraging. Yeah, all yeah. these things it's come just, to mind. Like when you told me about this men's mental health pod, podcast, I'm like, you want to talk about men's mental health? You know what I mean? Like, like that's literally what I practice that's every why day, I asked all the you. time. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and I try to teach it from my my advantage and my my leverage that I have with the community is that I'm actually part of the community, and and I can relate to everything that these men are going through. And uh, I know about all those pressures. I know about the financial pressure. I know about the pressure of not sharing your feelings and i know how hard it is to cry in front of other people but uh, a little tip is that women actually like it when you cry <laughs> <laughs> so it's he's actually know. flexing in the studio <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding no, so it's, you know it's not a bad thing um no it's it's yeah. really not a bad thing yeah but but that's interesting too because then it's like well if you can make the woman feel comfortable well aren't you doing something right you know what i mean like Honestly, it's it's all about connection. Yeah. You can't connect to anybody if they're closed off. Mm-hmm. So um, I think this is actually a good point where we could maybe wrap wrap it up a bit. I, I actually have some teens that are going to be waiting for me in about 45 minutes oh, too. Yeah, that's so. true. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, once again, like the conversation here, it's it went all over the place, but it's all connected. It went from get a job, just get a job to fulfillment and satisfaction, to uh, money being a motivator, uh, money being survival and survival being another motivator into like integrating it all back into like traditional cultural responsibilities and roles. Like it it tied everything all together, everything that we talked about. And it's just uh, at the very core of it all, comes back to vulnerability. (laughs) It literally just comes back to that. And I think that the more that we talk about these things and the episodes that are coming up, we're going to see that that is probably still going to be at the center of everything. So um, I don't even really know what to say here, but for sure. Sorry, go ahead. There's certainly more topics, more areas to delve Mm -hmm. into. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I would kind of debate whether vulnerability is at the center, but it's it's a fluid kind of balance. It's like a carpenter's level. You work on some area, emotional and the physical part, mm-hmm. got to also provide for the financial that takes care of your physical needs. So sometimes, but mm-hmm. you always you always have to work at it mm-hmm. and be encouraged to work at it. That's where you get the benefits. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that perspective because it, it does make sense. Vulnerability falls into that spiritual, emotional health. Mm-hmm. 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 And like, I wouldn't say that that's the core for sure, because we have, there's physical, mm-hmm. emotional, social, all those aspects, spiritual mm-hmm. health, right? So like, for sure, but it is a common point that maybe we're missing in a lot of these areas. We got to take care of all of it. Yeah. Love to come back for the spiritual part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you, if you let me. Of course. I will drop some emails. To, just trying to... <laughs> Yeah. More every time. Yeah, I catch up with John. I'm, I'm really <laughs> sorry. I, I feel like I just talk the whole time. But that's what we need. We need, <laughs> we need conversation and we need to talk. So, thank you guys again for sticking with me for the second episode. I know we've been here now for like three hours, three and a half hours. So thank you, thank you for that. 
but we are going to wrap things up right now so thank you to the listeners for tuning in and uh we'll catch you for the next episode yeah we'll go The views and opinions of the guests expressed in this podcast do not reflect those of Redivise and its employees.